grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. The Lord be with you. We have been beginning our sermons the last few weeks with catechesis. I, I think it's always important that we go back to our roots in the small catechism. So the catechetical lesson for today takes us back to the third commandment. Everybody knows the third commandment, right? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Luther asks, what does this mean? Luther would say, we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Luther, in his small catechism, would add this very important advice regarding the third commandment. God invites us to rest, to reflect on his word, and to receive his forgiveness in order to strengthen our faith in him. And if that wasn't enough, Luther, 500 and some years ago, added this question which is particularly appropriate for our time, considering all the myriad competing priorities that vie for our daily hours and minutes. When people today set aside time for rest, how do they spend that time? Good question, Luther. We'll dig into that more in a little bit. Suffice to say for now that I pray that you who are here today and those of you who are listening online on this Sabbath day do not despise the preaching and do hold God's word sacred, gladly hearing it on a regular basis and learning from it because God's word has power. And when God speaks, each of us should listen. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now in these last days, he has now spoken to us through his son. Is that familiar passage? Yeah, that familiar passage can be found right there in your Lutheran service book on page 238. And again on page 247. And if you happen to have a Lutheran service book at home, I would encourage you to look that up daily because that particular phrase is used in the liturgy of both the morning prayer and the evening prayer. Two liturgical orders that are very beneficial to you as you rest in your daily meditation, especially if you have set a time of rest aside for you. You don't have to go try to figure out what I'm going to do in that rest spiritually. Go right to the Lutheran service book. Morning prayer evening prayer. That phrase, by the way, comes from the very first two verses of chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews. This is how it reads in the book of Hebrews, in the English Standard Version. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. In these last days, since we today, you and I, and the writer of Hebrews, and those to whom the writer was writing, 
are classically in these last days. Therefore, God speaks to us through his son. But the writer wants you to remember who his son is. Heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The power of God's word speaks through Jesus in these last days. So we should listen. Why should we listen? What is the power of God? Just go back to Genesis 1. God spoke, and the world, the universe, was created by the power of nothing more than the words coming out of his mouth. And we know he did it in six 24-hour days, for those of you who are worried about that. Because it says, right here, chapter 1, verse 5b, and there was evening and morning of the first day and of the second day and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth day. Evening and morning. And what did God do then next? And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Even God needed a rest. Even God rested. Spiritually and physically. In our epistle lesson for today, the writer of Hebrews says, God's works were finished from the foundation of the world. Thus, God's Sabbath rest extends throughout time. And through Jesus Christ, through whom God also created the world, God's people may enter into God's day of rest and experience the peace that he gives. Should that be important to every Christian believer? Paul said, you bet. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Paul is telling you, and the author of Hebrews is telling us that that peace, that promised rest, that he talks about to his cohorts, it still stands, the author of Hebrews said today. It still stands. It's still available. For as God rested and has existed from the foundation of the world, from the beginning of time, so his people throughout time have been free to enter that rest. Not all of God's people, though, would share in that rest, would they? Or know that peace. Not then, and sadly, still not today. That rest was prefigured by the promises of new life for God's people in the promised land. But those people, many of those people, would not receive the promise either because they failed to listen 
and abide by God's word. They were not, as the writer of Hebrew tells us, united in faith. How important it is for us all to be united in faith. They would instead feel the wrath of God's power in his word of judgment. As I swore in my wrath, God said, they shall not enter my rest. God's people would eventually possess the promised land, not under Moses' leadership, but under Joshua's leadership. But that was not the ultimate promise of rest. The writer tells us that in the book of Hebrews. He said, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another one at a later time. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains a greater promise, a greater gift than a parcel of a land filled with milk and honey. That gift to God's people and to the church is the promise of a Messiah. And that promise is fulfilled in Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of all of God's promises, especially the promise of the gift of an eternal home and eternal rest. So the author, if you can hear it in Charlie's words as as he was speaking this, he gets very excited, he is eager. He says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall apart by the same sort of disobedience. The same sort of disobedience that God's people fell apart at at Sinai and coming out of Egypt. That's... and and, and 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. So how do we accomplish that? We don't have any of that. How do we avert or blunt the failures of our past, our own past, which is filled with sin, as is our present? Your sense of urgency comes out of the writer's words on a matter that confronts even you and me today. A very important matter, and that matter is losing faith, falling into unbelief. I cannot imagine how difficult it must have been for the people of God in the Old Testament to remain faithful before the person and work of Jesus Christ. But those who did found rest. And those who were not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin relied on the Sabbath day, a day of rest and worship and prayer and listening to God's word. God said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and on the seventh day he rested. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That Sabbath day provided time for physical rest, but more importantly, spiritual rest for God's people through worship and fellowship and devotion to God's words and promises. Now, some of you gifted and very highly intellectual people are going to point your hand and say, whoop, time out. God no longer requires us 
or commands us to observe the Sabbath, Pastor, or any other particular holy days of the Old Testament. And you were absolutely right. But the third commandment, the intent of that third commandment still applies to your daily life and your worship life as a Christian. The question that Luther wrote down in his small catechism in 1529 is still relevant and worthy to be asked today of you. When people today set aside time for rest, how do they spend that time? How do you prioritize your life? Is yours a fully, holy Christian life? A partial Christian life? A holy Christian life? Or do you tend to compartmentalize your Christian conviction into some small, confined area of time and attention, separate from the other busy parts of your life? Do you have a God who's the God of the gaps in your life, who fills these in the meanings for those little parts of your life that are not occupied by other important activities? Now, it is true that only the Holy Spirit can enable to you to live a holy, fully Christian life and in God's presence. But you can work to make things open for the workings of the Spirit in your individual life and in your church life. Do you not, like me, all of us still need physical rest? It's exhausting living in the world today. These chaotic times, we ought to be embracing some kind of Sabbath day as part of our weekly schedule because it would provide a much-needed time for the spiritual side of our lives. Spiritual rest is every bit as important as our physical rest. That rest comes through fellowship, worship, as you're doing today. I pray you're all resting here in these fine cushioned seats. Devotion to God's word and his promises. The writer today in Hebrews says, strive to enter that rest, spiritual rest, that Sabbath time. You don't have to call it Sabbath if you don't want to. Daily return to your baptism. Renounce the devil in all his ways. Trust mercy, the mercy of Christ. Feed on God's word because God's word gives you life. God's word is not like all things earthly, if we haven't figured that out. If those things that are earthly are here for a time and then they're gone, God's word remains forever. And it always accomplishes the work it has been sent to do. The Lord said in Isaiah 55, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, and it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Whatever may or may not have become your God over time, money, pleasure, power, Pride, wokeness, social justice is removed from the throne of your heart as the Spirit of Jesus asserts His Lordship in you as you spiritually rest and listen 
to his word. We do not have a God of the gaps. God is always here. He wants to be a part of your whole life, not a part of your partial life, not be sequestered and compartmentalized. It is in him and through him and by him and his grace that you have life. Not in part, but in whole. That you might live holy in him. For the word of God, the Hebrews writer acknowledges, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What he tells us here is God's word cuts through any spiritual barriers that stand between you and God. God cuts to the core of your being, exposing a true state of a person's heart before God. And guess what? No creature is hidden from God's sight. Before God, you are naked and exposed, every bit the same as your first parents in the Garden of Eden. Our first parents were wounded by God's word. They were felled by God's word of law. They were held to account for it, weren't they? And so too must and will all of us be held to account because we face the same sword. The law that God uses in our lives. Martin Luther wrote, Christ's word breaks through and wounds. It takes every ground of trust and ascribes redemption solely to the blood of Christ. It pierces and wounds the soul. This, he says, is a health-bestowing wound. For these weapons kill in order to make alive. It is, however, a fall that is happy and full of consolation, demonstrating the power and the success of God's word. The sword that the writer speaks of has two edges. One edge cuts you with the law. The other edge heals you with the good news of the gospel. One edge slays you, the other edge brings you to life. One edge pushes you down to the very depths of hell, for the law tells you that's where you deserve to go. The other edge lifts you up to the highest heaven. God's word of the gospel fills your soul with eternal life. And because the word pierced you by the law, and exposed your sinful heart, Christ was able to inject his precious lifeblood into you. For he also was pierced. And the stream of his holy blood from his side flows now into all of you. His very life is yours. And since his life is in his blood, delivered to you by this powerful, life-giving word. The writer of Hebrews can say, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us stand firm in the faith. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are, 
yet without sin. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the church at Rome wrote, There is now for, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the, spirit, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could never do. So we cling to Christ in faith. We turn to him. As the author of Hebrews said, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Grace and help in time of need. Is anybody in time of need today? You've come to the right place. There is grace overflowing in God's house. Before Christ, that throne of grace was found only in one place where the sacrifices were made and offered on the Day of Atonement. Now, Christ is our atonement. He is our throne of grace. So let us come near to him now, today, as long as it is called today. If you listen to him every day, for every day is a day of salvation. For in him all blessings flow. And through him, and through him alone, will we experience eternal rest. I think verse 3 of the song we just sang says it very well. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous. Bright with thine own holiness, God. Glorious now, we press towards glory. And our lives, our hopes confess. Alleluia, alleluia, praise to thee who light doth send. Alleluia, alleluia, without end. Amen. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and his mercy 